0: Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to continue with Matthew chapter 7 and what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and, and as we get into this, this part of, of this passage, I, I, I got to thinking about um, when I was in uh, first grade, and, and I'm 50 years old now, and so I guess I would have been, what, six years old, seven years old-ish, somewhere around in there, so a long, long time ago when I was in first grade, I had this teacher named uh, Mrs. Webb, and she was one of the sweetest women that I have ever known in my life and at, at, at that time because I was you know just a kid and I didn't really realize it but she was a a very godly woman and and and, and Jesus had shaped and molded her character and looking back that is the reason why she treated us as her students so well uh, and she treated us just respectfully um, and, and she has always, and I, I believe she passed away, uh, several years ago. I can't remember. For those of you listening back in my hometown of Milan, Tennessee, uh, you can comment and let me know. Uh, but she, she was so beloved as a teacher and so, so well respected. But I remember, uh, on her, on her desk or above her desk on the wall, there was a sign that read, the golden rule and it said do unto others as you would have them do to you well you know being in the first grade i i didn't really understand where that came from and i i knew what it meant but i didn't know where it had come from and i didn't know uh the impact that it would have on my life and on people's lives but here it is like i said over 40 years later well over 40 years um I, I know very well where it comes from. It, it it comes from Jesus teaching his disciples here on this mountain about how their righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And it comes from Matthew chapter seven, verse twelve, when Jesus says to his disciples, Do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets now that's the new living translations version the niv says it like this do unto others whatsoever you would like them to do to you this is the this sums up the law and the prophets and and, and you know going back to uh math when when this is the sum of it This is what it equals. This is what the, this is what the law taught. This is what the prophets taught that they can all be summed up in, in this saying that Jesus gives to his disciples and to that audience who is listening in the background. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. I mean, what a statement this is from Jesus. I mean, just think about how much better society would be think about how much better our nation would be think about how much better your city would be think about how much better uh your workplace would be think about how much better uh just this world would be in general if they would just you know if they're you don't even have to be a christian just follow this one Awesome statement that Jesus makes. And this, this world would be such a better place. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Now, Jesus says that all the law, now you think about that, all the law, going back to the five, first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the, the one that Moses wrote, and God gave Moses the law. Jesus says all the law, every doctrine that is taught every rule that is taught every commandment that is taught all of the law is summed up by this golden rule do unto others as you would have them do to you and and, and he says all the prophets everything that they taught everything that they preached everything that they prophesy can all be summed up in this golden rule Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And you know, we love us to me, don't we? We love ourselves. We take care of ourselves. We want people to treat us good. We want people to treat us well. We want people to love on us. We want people to like us. And if we had that same attitude toward other people, like I said, this world would be such a more pleasurable place to live in. Now, it's all I want to say about uh, uh, the the, uh, the golden rule. But it, but it, it's 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 just fabulous to what Jesus said: "Do unto others as you would have them do unto you." It's that simple. But unfortunately, it's not that simple because people in our world don't seem to to understand that, and they certainly don't live by the golden rule because they're, we are selfish people and And we want what we want, and we're going to get it you know and we'll walk all over people to get it, and we'll treat people how we want uh we want to treat them uh unfortunately uh I'm just thankful that, that God's not like that, uh, and I'm thankful for his agape love is what which which, it, which is what we're fixing to talk about this unconditional love because whoever translated uh the new living translation they they had to have been an a c d c fan because of the way that they translate this next passage, when Jesus says, "You can enter into God's kingdom only through the narrow gate," and here's the New Living Translation: "The highway to hell." I'm on the highway to hell. That's the AC/DC song, right? Uh, but the highway to hell. The New Living Translation says. Other translations say the road that leads to destruction. That this highway to hell or this road that leads to destruction it's broad, and its gate is wide for the for many the many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it now Jesus talks about some gates here he talks about a narrow gate and a broad gate, a wide gate and we know about gates, especially if, if you, if you have a fence around your yard or if you have animals and you, and you have uh, a certain type of fence. Um, and I know growing up I had a, a four foot tall chain link fence that went around my yard and in and, and this chain link fence, it had different size gates. It had one in the front yard that, that that opened up you could walk on the, on the little bricks and come up to the, to the front porch. Um, but hardly anybody ever used that that front gate matter of fact i I believe we kept a lock on that on that little gate for uh, the majority of the time because we always had a dog growing up and we didn't want the dog to get out but in the backyard where the driveway was we had these two huge gates that would swing open big enough for a, a car to go through uh and and i was the gatekeeper uh i had to uh every time we were to leave to go somewhere in the car, I had to get out and, and open the gate, wait for whoever was driving, either my stepdad or my mom, and they would back the car out of the gate and into the road. And I'm trying to keep the dog uh inside the gate and and, and when they pulled the car out then I had to close the gate before uh before the dog would try to, to get out and, and, and run off and escape. And many times Unfortunately, the dog would get out of the gate and take off, and we'd have to go chase him down and bring him back and and put him inside that gate. But um around my house, we had these two gates. We had a narrow gate that people could walk through, and we had this wide gate. It was big enough for a, a, a car to be uh, driven through. And uh, unfortunately, I remember, now that I think about it as I'm doing this podcast, a tree fell over that, that fence, that gate and destroyed it. And we had to get that gate actually, uh, redone and rebuilt and that part of the fence too as well. But anyway, I digress. So the people listening to Jesus talk about this, this road, this narrow road and this wide road and this narrow gate and this wide gate, they would know, uh, exactly what he's talking about. They would be familiar Uh, with what he's talking about because uh, the temple was still standing at the time and the temple had uh, a a certain amount of gates around the temple Um, and also around Jerusalem there would be a wall and there were gates to get into Jerusalem and and so this is during the the, uh, during the time that the Romans had come in and taken over and when the romans came in and took over they actually made or built paved roads they used these stones and they and they would have paved roads and and you can actually google some of these roads and you can see the roads they're still available still being used and and and, uh they still exist um so the the romans then had come in with this money and had built these roads but then there's also roads that are not paved, and they're they're just dirt, and and you know some of them were old and 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 less traveled, and some were new, and 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 they're they're traveled on a whole lot more. Uh, some were dangerous. There were all kinds of roads, just like in our day and time, and and so when Jesus talks about this narrow road. And this narrow gate. They could picture a narrow road and a narrow gate in their mind. Or when he talked about this wide road that leads to destruction and this wide gate that leads to destruction, that, you know, it's easy to find that wide gate. But he's going to say it's, it, it's hard to find this narrow road. It's hard to find this narrow gate. And so they would have this mental image in their mind as he's talking about these roads and these gates. And these people, they've been hearing about the kingdom of God and how at some point the kingdom of God is going to come and that the Messiah would lead them into the kingdom. But what they didn't realize is Jesus is talking here on this mountain. Even his disciples didn't even under, fully understand what was going on and who Jesus was. He's trying to tell them and he's trying to teach them, but not until Jesus had died on the cross and was resurrected and the holy spirit fell on them in acts chapter 2 did they finally get it and it took a long a long time for them to get it because they're they're thinking hey god's going to we're going to set up this kingdom this earthly kingdom and god's going to use it to deliver us from these these romans and this roman oppression and and we're going to be top dog once again but that's not that's not what God had intended that's not what he had in mind it, it's much greater than that. The kingdom is far more greater than that, and it's still going today. It's still growing today, and if we are washing the blood of Jesus Christ, we are a part of the kingdom of God but it, when Jesus was talking to his disciples on that mountain and, and the people are listening in the background, and he's talking about the kingdom of God. If you remember when John the Baptizer baptizes Jesus. He he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And he talks about the kingdom is at hand. It's right here. And Jesus says, I am. I am, uh, I am the kingdom. It all starts with me. And I, I'm, I'm coming to lay down my life, my friends, so that you can be a part of this kingdom. And he's going to talk about how the Gentiles are also going to be welcomed into the kingdom. And we see that take place uh, in Acts chapter 10. Uh, when Cornelius and his family were were baptized uh, by the Holy Spirit with Peter and his Jewish friends are watching and then they're baptized in water by Peter and and his Jewish friends. And then later on as Paul goes in and starts uh, taking the message to the Gentiles. But the kingdom of God is at hand now. The kingdom is here. Jesus is teaching these disciples and he's teaching these people that uh the kingdom is now here even though they didn't fully realize it and and so he's telling them this story because he is the gate that jesus is the way to heaven and he matter of fact he is and i know a lot of people this is not popular with a lot of people but jesus is the only way into the kingdom jesus is the only way in to heaven you know just just like the temple you know back then well even before then way before then in in the in the original temple before it was destroyed when Solomon had that temple built the the, the glory of God would come down in a, a form of a cloud and fill the temple so God's presence was there the ark of the temple was in the holiest of holies and only the priests could go in there one time a year and make atonement for the sins of the people, uh, the Jewish people, and even back before that, even in the, the tabernacle, God's presence would fill the tabernacle. but to get into the temple area, you would have to go through a gate and and then only then you could if you didn't go into the gate, you couldn't even get near the presence of God, but and, and only the priests could go into the, the holiest of holies, but people to get in the presence of God, if you will, inside the temple inside the temple area you would have to walk through the gates. And so now Jesus is saying if you want to enter into the presence of God, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you got to go through the narrow gate. Not the wide gate, but the narrow gate. And what he is talking about is himself. Because he's going to say in John 146, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me or through me. So Jesus is the narrow gate. Um, And he's the only way to enter into heaven, into God's presence. So uh, the one many considered to be uh, a blasphemer was Jesus. These, These people who are... Uh, listening to Jesus teach, they're in awe. But there, there was a lot of people who questioned Jesus, especially like when he fed the five thousand, which was more like ten to fifteen thousand, because that count was only the the men. It was, didn't include the women and the children. But these people, a lot of these people, thought Jesus was a blasphemer, and when they would follow him, and they wanted to make him an earthly king. And when Jesus said "Hey, you got to drink my fl- you got to drink my blood, and you got to eat my flesh," and I'm like, "Oh, this dude's crazy. This guy's nuts." And in John 6, verse 66 says that many turned away and they, and they they didn't follow Jesus anymore. And that's when Jesus turned to Peter and the other disciples. He said, you can walk away too. And Peter says, hey, where are we going to go? We're not going to turn away from you. You have the worst to eternal life. No way we're not walking away from you. But many thought Jesus was a blasphemer. Many thought he was he was just crazy. Many people thought that he had a demon. They The, the religious leaders kept accusing him that over and over again. That he does things under the power of Beelzebub, and Jesus says, "No, I'm I'm not doing things under the power of Beelzebub. That, that a kingdom divided against itself can't stand." And so, um, and so, Jesus is saying, "The kingdom is here. I am the way." And 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 so. A lot of people would have an issue with that, even though Jesus is is right before the very eyes, even though Jesus is working these miracles and he's teaching these great lessons and he's showing them his authority and they're in awe. But how many times did Jesus work miracles and, and then the people just turn around and say, hey, show us a sign. He just showed you a sign. He's done all kinds of miracles and yet you still don't believe. And You know what? Nothing has changed today. Except so we don't have Jesus walking around doing miracles. All, all we have to go by is his the, is the word of God and what he has said and left behind for us to read and to study. So we don't physically have Jesus right before our very eyes like they did. And even they had a hard time accepting who Jesus is. And they, many, many would reject Jesus. And that's why he said this wide road is easy to find. But this narrow road and this narrow gate, it's hard to find and, and only few be there that find it. And nothing has changed today. There is only one way. No matter what somebody has taught you, no, no, no matter what you have heard, there is only one way to enter into the kingdom of God and that is through Jesus. He is the gate And he is the only way to the Father. He is the narrow gate. The road that leads to destruction. The road or this gate that opens wide. I mean, it's huge. It's ginormous. I mean, my mom drove a 1978 Ford LTD. That thing was a tank. It was so long and it seemed like it took forever to get that huge vehicle out of the driveway and into the street so I can close that wide gate. But this road, this gate that leads to destruction is ginormous. It's huge. But the narrow gate is small. And very few find that narrow gate. Very few people find jesus i deliver little debbie cakes uh to grocery stores for a living and the gas stations too and i travel on all kinds of roads i travel on main roads back roads country roads i travel on highways and i even take the interstate in knoxville uh, going to some of my stores and i i really like traveling the interstate because i can go fast And, and there's at least three to four lanes that, you know, if I get behind a slowpoke, then all I can do is change the lane and I can, I can push that gas pedal down and, and and get the truck in it and get to my stores faster because I can go around these slowpokes, but, but not on city roads because there's not very many places to pass on these, on these side roads or these city roads or these back roads and, and it never fails when you get behind a slowpoke. We call them the Sunday morning drivers. When, when, when you're behind a slowpoke and you, if you do come up on a place to pass, there's always something coming it seems like you can't get around them and so you're stuck behind this slow poke that we call them and, and as a vendor you you have to know and understand that time is everything time is very valuable especially when you have multiple grocery stores like on, on mondays i have five or six grocery stores i think it's five i, I service on monday and then one on tuesday but i service five grocery stores on a, uh, on a Monday and they're miles and miles apart from each other and they all have door times and I had to get at this store at a certain door time, the other store at a certain door time and it goes on and goes on and on and if I don't make the door times, they have the right to lock me out and and not let me service their store but fortunately for me since i've been doing this for three years i've, I've built a relationship with them and if i'm going to be late or something comes up uh, uh i can call them or i can text them and say hey i'm running late uh i'll just you know let you know when i get my order ready and 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 i'll give you a call and you can and, and you know they they can still say no man i'm tired of doing this uh i'm, I'm literally at their mercy but time is everything to a vendor it's very valuable and so so that's why i love the interstate because you know it's wide it's it's got more lanes and i can book it and if there's somebody going really slow i can just go around them and and, and they don't bother me they don't they don't they don't hinder me if you will um the only thing is about interstate if there's a wreck and you can't get around that wreck well you're stuck for hours and that that sucks but uh, fortunately, it, when you're around Knoxville, there's all kinds of ways to get off that interstate and go around, uh, that wreck. But, um, Jesus says that the road to enter the kingdom of God is not like the interstate. It's more like a country road, a back road, a, a city road, if you will. One that is far less traveled. Uh, in fact, he said that there wouldn't be very many people that find it. Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever went to a, a place that you've never been to before? you I mean, you're way out of your element. You're, you're lost as a goose and, and you have to rely on, uh, Google Maps or uh Apple maps or uh, uh the, the old Garmans, if you remember the Garmans. or maybe if you might even remember back to when people used maps uh and you're like okay there's supposed to be a road here, and i can't find the road it's not on the map uh Google Maps is saying that hey there's a road here the the late the the lady center telling you to take a right or take a left, turn here on this street but there there there's no street there, it does not exist. And so you're lost and you're like, "What? what is going on here? Well, I guarantee you this. If you're looking for the narrow road that Jesus is talking about and you want to make it to heaven, God will, and I promise you this, God will make sure that you find that road and he will guide you every step of the way and he will not leave you stranded or lost. But the wide road that leads to destruction just like that highway it's easy it's easy to find it's easy to travel on a matter of fact it's the right it, it's right opposite of jesus because you don't have to worry about the golden rule you don't you, you don't you don't have to to treat somebody the way you want to be treated uh you can do matter of fact you can just do whatever you want to you can treat people any way you want to you can take advantage of them you can mistreat them You can do whatever you want to. Live the way you want to live because you're living for yourself. You're living to please yourself. You're basically your own God, little g. And you're basically your own Lord. You're your own master. Nobody can tell you what to do except for yourself. And you're going to do whatever you want to do. That is the easy road. That is the wide road. That is the wide gate. But just know this, there is a price to pay for making that decision. There's a price to pay to travel down that wide road. There, there's, a, there's a price to pay to travel through that wide gate. And what it boils down to is this, self-discipline and following Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to to be my follower, that's what a disciple is. They must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Well, whoever, it means exactly that. Anybody that that or everybody has been given an invitation to follow Jesus. Everybody, any person that's ever walked the face of this earth, they have the opportunity to choose the narrow gate, to walk the narrow road, to follow Jesus. And he says, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. Well, that's hard because we love ourselves. We love us and me. We want to take care of me. We want to do what we want to do. We want to be pleasing ourselves. And Jesus says, well, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Well. We don't want to, deny, to to deny ourselves. We want to accept ourselves and we want to love on ourselves. And We're selfish people by nature, but we have to put our selfish wants and desires to the side and put Jesus first and live for him. He has to become our Lord. You see, everybody wants a Savior, but not everybody wants a Lord. We want to go to heaven, but we don't want Jesus telling us how to live. We want to tell us how to live. We want to do what we want to do, and it doesn't work that way. Jesus says you have to deny yourself. And he has to become our Lord. He has to become our master. And he has to be the one who tells us what to do and how to live. To walk the straight and the narrow. To turn the other cheek. To love your neighbor. To love a God with all your heart, soul, and mind, your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And it goes on and on and on and on. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross daily. The cross is a place of pain. The cross is a place of death, a horrible death, a painful death, where you hang for hours trying to breathe. And then they come along and they didn't break the legs of Jesus. That was a prophecy. But the others, they would break their legs and stuff so they could not push up to breathe, so they would die faster. The cross was the will of God for his son, Jesus. The cross is where we die to ourselves and make Jesus our Lord and Savior. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, this old man, he talks about this in Romans 6. The old man, when we're baptized in water, we're baptized into Christ. Our old man is put into that watery grave and we come up out of that water, a new creation in Christ and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts chapter 2 tells us when when they ask Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? And and Peter says, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit for this promise is unto you, to your children, and all that are uh, far off. And Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I Paul's saying, because he was a Pharisee. He hated Christians. He literally hated him. He he was at the stoning of Stephen. He he was going from house to house and wreaking havoc on, on, on Christians' homes, and he was pulling men and women, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles out of homes and carrying them to prison. Many would die, they would be persecuted for their faith. And and Paul, when he was Saul, he 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 was in charge of all that. He was matter of fact, when he met Jesus, he was on his way to Damascus to wreak havoc on the church there. And he had permission from a a bunch of the Pharisees to do so. And he thought he was doing God a favor. And Jesus knocked him off that horse and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, I know you're persecuting my people, but you're you're persecuting me. Why are you doing that? And and Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus. Now, get up because you're going to be a servant for me. And we know he became one of the greatest missionaries of all time. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Why? Why was he able to have that change of lifestyle? Why was he able to have such a change of heart? It's because he denied himself. And he took up his cross and he says i have been crucified with christ i no longer live i paul because he changed his name to paul from saul and he says i i'm not it's not me that when i was in myself and i was living the way i want to live i hated these christians i persecuted these christians i had these christians killed for their faith i couldn't stand jesus i didn't want to hear about jesus i wanted to know god and his laws but i didn't want to know anything about jesus because to me jesus was a blasphemer but then one day when I met Jesus and I and, and and I had this experience with Jesus, I I I gave my life to Jesus. And I crucified myself with Jesus. And now I no longer live, but Jesus lives inside me, Paul says. And he says, the life I now live in this body, he, he says, I'm still alive, I'm still Paul. I'm still walking around and talking and doing things, but now I live by the faith in the Son of God, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, if God can do that for Paul or Saul, later Paul, he can do that for you. Paul was a murderer. He had people put in prison and they died. He was busting up homes. He was he he even says I'm I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst that there could be. And God saved Paul. He can do the same for you. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter what sin you have committed, they can all be forgiven. But you gotta die to yourself and say yes to Jesus. You gotta put your selfish desires away and put on Christ. Paul talks about in Romans about how we are to put on Christ. Just like we put on our garments every day, our clothes every day. We have to put on Christ. And Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you you got to follow me. And if we're following Jesus, that means, guess what? He's in the front. He's in the lead. And he is guiding us. And He makes the decisions on where we're to go and what we are to do. And we say, yes, sir, and we follow his lead. A question that you have to answer and I have to answer is, who's leading your life? Who's leading my life? Am I leading my life? Are you leading your own life? Are you doing what you want to do? Or is Jesus leading you? Is Jesus your guide? Here's the thing, the way you treat people shows exactly who your leader is. The way you treat people shows exactly who your leader is. It's either you or it's Jesus. And Jesus says, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is self-discipline. It's self-discipline. Following Jesus is not easy. You know, anybody can jump in a pool of water and get baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit and start a walk with Jesus. But that walk, the minute that happens, it becomes hard because Satan's going to come against you with everything that he can to discourage you from walking with Jesus and from following Jesus. It's not easy. As a matter of fact, it gets difficult, very difficult at times. Why? Because Jesus said, if we follow him, people's going to hate us. People will persecute us. Well, who wants to be hated? Who wants to be persecuted? We want people to love us. We want people to like us and to treat us well. But how did how did he treat... How did Jesus, when he, you know, Jesus was the greatest person that's ever walked the face of this earth. He never did anything wrong, and he was always compassionate, always full of grace, always full of mercy, always long-suffering with people. Even those people that hated him and used him and wanted him dead, trying to kill him over and over again. They would pick up stones to kill him. they tried try to push him off a cliff. How did Jesus treat those people? Think about Judas Iscariot, the one who betrays Jesus. Jesus calls him, what, a friend there in the garden as he's about to take the worst beating and be hung on a cross because this guy who had been one of his 12 that he handpicked betrays him for 30 pieces of silver. He sold him out for some money because he loved money. He stole money from the, the other disciples. He was the treasurer of the group and he constantly was stealing money and Jesus never called him out on that. Yet when Judas brought the little militia along in the garden of Gethsemane to arrest Jesus and he kissed Jesus on the cheek, Jesus looks at him and says, Friend. He called his betrayer friend. And you think about uh, these religious leaders who constantly tried to kill Jesus. He showed them grace and he showed them mercy. And to the the soldiers who who beat Jesus and nailed him to the cross, he says, Friend. As he's dying up on the cross, he, he, he looks down at them and he says, Father, forgive them for they they just don't know what they're doing. In fact, Jesus tells us to love our enemies. And the word for love there in the Greek is agape, which is an unconditional love. We are to love our enemies with an unconditional love. Who wants to do that? It's not easy. It's very hard. It's hard to love those who treat us horrible and disrespect us. But Jesus says, that's what we have to do. Love your enemies with an unconditional love. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. And if we looked at John 13, if you go and read John 13, the very night that he's going to be betrayed, he's taking that last Passover meal with his disciples. And yes, Judas Iscariot is amongst the disciples when Jesus disrobes himself, takes a towel, and and, and he begins to wash the, the disciples' feet. And Judas is among the twelve, and Jesus washes Judas's feet the very one who would betray him, the very one who has sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And yet Jesus takes the form of a servant and washes his betrayer's feet. We have to love those who, who they may not love us back. They may very well be an enemy. They may have wronged you. And, 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 it, and here's the thing, it doesn't matter what they did. Jesus said love your enemies with an unconditional love. He says we're going to be hated, and He said we're going to be persecuted. But we have to love. Why? Because we follow Him, and we are His examples to those that are around us, we have to show it's, well, let me say it like this. It's easy to show people who love us. It's easy to show them Jesus. But we have to show Jesus to those who hate us, to those who persecute us. Why? Because we have to be the example of Jesus, which takes us back to what we started this podcast with, that sign that was above Mr. Webb's desk and the golden rule there on the wall, and it says, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Who's leading you? Who are you following? Yourself or Jesus? God bless you. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grind podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro, off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus, and keep grinding.